journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. You're listening to the World of Horror. My name's Andy. Writer-director Theodore Gershini would go on to write episodes for TV series Monsters and Tales from the Dark Side, but in the early 70s, he would create his first horror feature. Many of the cast were former stars from Andy Warhol's factory years, such as Mary Warrenov, who director Theodore Gershini was married to at one time. Also supporting players was Ondine, Candy Darling, Kristen Steen, Tally Brown, Louis Love, filmmaker Jack Smith, and artist Susan Rothenberg. Also carrying producing duties was a young Lloyd Kaufman. After leaving the driving circuit in the early 1970s, this movie fell into the public domain. It remained obscure until the mid-1980s, when it appeared on Elvira's movie Macabre. Afterward, it began developing a cult following that grew with its eventual release on home video with the name of Death House. This film is one of Canon Films' earlier works. This film is Silent Night, Bloody Night from 1972. T'was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was left living. <laughs> hands. Somebody cut off his hands. Silent Night, Bloody Night, starring Patrick O'Neill and Astrid Heron. Yeah, Butler wasn't kidding. Nobody's lived here for years. Don't laugh at me. I want your ID. Some maniac escaped from Margaretville. Would you like to drive there? Also starring John Carradine. Was the night before Christmas. And all through the house, not a creature was left living. Silent Night. Bloody Night. Probably not the first movie you would think of when considering a Christmas time horror movie. But in fact, I believe that this film inspired some of our favorite Christmas time horror movies, such as Black Christmas. In Silent Night, Bloody Night, the story revolves around a house that is being sold by a man that inherited it. And through the course of the movie, we find out the history of the house and the mystery surrounding the house. This movie mainly takes place on the night of Christmas Eve. And the house in question is a house that was built by a man named Wilford Butler. And this house has quite a history to it. It has quite the urban legend to it. You know, the legend is that he owned the house and he never lived there, but then he returned on Christmas Eve one year and he was burned alive and it was an accident. That was the belief anyway, but there was another person there that no one knew about. And so in this movie, Wilford's grandson, Jeffrey Butler, is planning on selling the house. He hires a lawyer to handle the sale. He initially offers it back to the town. He has his lawyer go talk to the town council and offers to sell the house to them. For a pretty low price, because mainly Jeffrey just wants some quick cash, and he just wants it sold and out of his hands. We're introduced to the town officials, which one of them is played by John Carradine, who plays the local newspaper man who 
really doesn't have a line in the movie. He just rings the bell whenever he wants to voice his opinion. It's a really interesting role. And then you also have a switchboard operator, Tess Howard, uh, Bill Mason, the sheriff, and the mayor. So we have the main character of Jeffrey Beller who's inherited the house and wants to sell it. But we also have Diane, and she's the mayor's daughter. These two characters come together throughout the story. There's a mystery here because Jeffrey Butler, he cannot find his lawyer. His lawyer has disappeared in the house. And so in this movie, him and Diane, the mayor's daughter, are trying to figure out the mystery of the house. And there are mysterious calls coming from the house to different members of the town council. And this movie really follows a slasher formula. One by one, we see people getting picked off. And this movie really does have some of the traditional tropes that we see in the later slasher films, like the POV camera. We see that a lot in this movie. The, the creepy phone calls, we see that in this movie. And you know we see that later on in Black Christmas and even movies like Prom Night. So I really feel like this was an inspiration to those later movies. And this also borrows from the Giallo movies, which were popular at the time. The killer wears black gloves. And I would say if you're a fan of movies such as Black Christmas that are kind of more subdued and creepy, yeah, this movie's for you. This is, it doesn't have a strong Christmas feel, but it does take place during Christmas time, like I said. And it is pretty creepy. There's not a lot of gore, but there are several deaths. And I really like the mystery that this movie sets up about the history of the house and why somebody would not want the house to be sold. You get a really good flashback scene later on in the movie that kind of explains what happened in the house in the past. And it's done in the sepia tone, kind of silent film style, which is which is really cool. And it's really disturbing because you have a little bit of gore in that scene as well. The only actor that I really recognize in this movie is John Carradine. Most of the actors are, like I said, they had formerly worked with Andy Warhol. And so I'm not really familiar with his work, but this is interesting. This movie has a lot of atmosphere to it, and I think that it really captures the 70s horror really well. And I think there's a really nice payoff at the end when the killers revealed as to who they are. And the town officials, they're interesting characters. You, you learn more about them as the story goes on as well. This is a decent slasher movie before slashers were really even a thing. This is a film that I remember watching for the first time in my Mill Creek 50 pack and the transfer was not very good so it's hard to see a lot of what was going on and even with some of the kills you didn't get a clear shot but the version on Tubi is the film chest restored version and it looks really good you can actually see the kills you can see more of the house and you know the house house is a character in and of itself in this movie the house has such mystery to it and so it's just really it's it's a really cool looking house um, it's, a, it's an actual house that they filmed in, you can tell. And there's an interesting thing that a, early, a character early in the movie talks about how the foundation, you know, the house isn't made of wood, but the, the foundation is made out of stone, really thick stone, and the walls are made out of thick stone. So when somebody comes to demolish the house, they're going to find a surprise because they're not going to really be able to knock it down. And I think that kind of speaks to the house and what it stands for within the context of this movie. Wilford Butler, the man that originally built the house, he, in his will, when he left it to Jeffrey, he demanded that it be left standing as is. He wanted it to be a memorial to what happened in the past. And then you discover what happened. 
I really like that kind of reference. And at the end of the film, you know, you see them trying to tear down the house. And and so it just kind of goes full circle. You know that they're not, it's just, it seems like they're not going to be able to tear it down because of the stone foundation, the stone walls. And it's just, it's, it's an illustration of how you can't bury the past. You can't get rid of the past. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed this movie. I think this is a... This is one of those Christmas horror movies that I could watch every year. And I think it's one that doesn't get talked about very much. So I encourage you to go to Tubi. Check out the, the restored version. It's worth your time. And you've been listening to The World of Horror. <laughs>